Well, we've had quite a couple weeks around here, quite a season actually, all the floodings and stuff going on. And um, so this morning I woke up, I, I wake up early all the time. I managed to make it to five o'clock this morning though. And, and um, got up at five and went and had my coffee. And then Sherry had gotten a text that the arena was completely flooded. So at six o'clock, we're bringing pumps up to the arena and I don't know how much, pumped a couple thousand gallons out of there anyways. And out of the arena, and um, I got to tell you, so what normally my routine is, is I, you know, I read the Word all week long, and I don't really have a set schedule of what I'm going to preach, but I just kind of read the Word all week long and, and start putting some Scripture together and, feel, you know, feeling like where we should go, and then I get up really early in the morning, and I write the Word in the morning, and so this morning was one of those mornings where I just got thrown for a loop and, and ended up pumping an arena out, and I just said to Matt, he was there helping too, and I just said, well... I sure am thankful for the Holy Ghost because I haven't written a sermon this morning. And uh, not only for the Holy Ghost, but um, yeah, for the Holy Ghost, but also for the Word. So I went back down, I had a quick shower, and, and two scriptures just kind of popped into me. And the first scripture was this. I wonder why it popped into me. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, I wonder why that popped in my head this morning. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. I love this because it doesn't matter how hard the enemy pushes. It's like the Bible says where sin abounds, how much more grace abound. And like we talked about last week, it's not like it's like God and then the devil's just below him. It's like God, creator, and the devil, this little puny stripped to nothing, nothingness of a devil. It's not like just barely. It's like God and devil, you know? So when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against it. And so we know that that standard is just not barely above. We know that when God is for us, what's the scripture? Who could be against us? It's hypothetical. Like if God's for us, come on. Everybody else should just throw in the towel because if God be for us, who could be against us? And so when the enemy comes in like a flood, it's so good to know that God will always raise a standard against him. And not just a little bit. By far, he's the El Shaddai. He is more than enough. He is everything we could ever ask for, imagine. We stand in awe of God. He is God. And so the things that we need to realize as Christians, that when the enemy does come in, that we got to check our attitude. We've got to check where we're at and how we're walking in faith because we need to understand that no matter how heavy he comes in, that God will always raise a standard up against him. And so we see this stuff happening, you know, and people say, why does this stuff happen? And, and um, it just happens because we live in a fallen world. You know, and there's been flooding for a couple of weeks and, and um, you know, it's, everybody has different backgrounds in, in religion and whatnot, but, you know, a lot of times people want to say, well, God's doing it and we'll learn something out of it. And, you know, the thing is, is, is God's no longer wrath with us. Yes, there's things that happen in the world because he deals with stuff in the world because we're living in a fallen world. But the thief comes, the Bible says. The enemy, the thief comes to steal kill and destroy. But Jesus says that I've come to bring you life and life more abundantly. 
So I don't like to attribute disaster to God. I don't. I, I, I attribute it to a fallen world, to it's either us doing it or because of our fallen nature or an enemy could be involved. You know, I think sometimes he gets a little bit too much credit when we just do our own stupid things. The Bible warns us of that. You know, even our bad behavior, it says, you know, even it talks about how sin our, starts in our lustful flesh and it will consume us unto death, right? It's like, it's like yes, the enemy's gonna prompt it and push on us. At the same time, we need to realize that we live in a fallen world but we don't serve a fallen God. The fallen God angel, small g angel is the one that is puny. We serve the risen, resurrected, glorified Jesus. We serve a God that is the creator of all, all things. And so we, bad stuff happens because we live in a fallen world, but God is a redeemer. God is a redeemer. Now, the interesting language here is, and I know it depends what camp you've been in, if you've ever studied this scripture before, is um, the Hebrew is kind of funny because it doesn't really have periods like we do. It doesn't really start and stop. And so it says, so shall you fear the name of the Lord from the West and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in, scholars will tell you it could be read two ways. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Or it could be read when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. And you know what? It's cool either way with me. It's like, because obviously we, we saw the enemy come in like a flood and try to steal, kill, and destroy. But God will always raise a standard against it. And I think one of the things that we need to realize, and, 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 and I'm extremely guilty for that, is the fact that when the enemy comes in, we really get a bad attitude because we really don't believe how big our God is. We don't. We get a bad attitude because we don't believe that our God will raise up a standard against it. And so checking our attitude is so vitally important. When something bad happens, we need to check our attitude. It doesn't mean we can't remorse. It doesn't mean we can't do that. But the key is we need to look for God in every situation. We don't look for him as bringing the disaster. We look for him as the redeemer. You know, the Bible says, and I've talked about this many times, that we are to redeem the kairos, which is a Greek word for the moment, the allotment of time. That we're supposed to, as, as Christians, we're to redeem the kairos moments, those allotments in time. So we're walking through the earth filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with Jesus, filled with hope, filled with the Spirit of God, filled with life. We walk through this earth, and the Bible says that we have an opportunity of every slice of time to redeem it back to the kingdom of God. Right? And so if somebody yells at you, your moment is to either redeem it for the kingdom of God or to follow down that path. And we all probably fell down the path more than we've redeemed it to the kingdom of God. But that's our moment to redeem that thing. Someone goes, wah! And the Bible says, ding, 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 ding. A soft answer will turn away wrath in the book of Proverbs. But like, he just yelled at me. I don't want to give him a soft answer. I want to give him a hard fist, right? But to redeem the moment, a soft answer will turn away wrath. You know, and there's all sorts of other scriptures that will, that, will, that will pop up. But we have been called to redeem every situation. And so even like this morning, I go in there and, 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 and I'm guilty for those bad times. Like when stuff like that happens, yeah, I'm, I'm one of those guys that I'm the right guy for the moment because I'm, gonna, I'm just going to get it done. I just do what I got to do to get her done and I'll, I'll come up with something to, to accomplish the task. But it doesn't always mean I have a good attitude about it. A matter of fact, I'm fine until something goes wrong in the middle of a bad situation. So it's like, I don't mind cleaning up a flood, but when I go down to get a pump and all the fittings are off the hose and I go to pull the pump and the cord pulls apart and there's no power cord on the pump that I need to use, 
all of a sudden one, two, three went to like 10 and now I'm like mad. And if you're anything like me, which I hope you're not like me, if you're anything like me, your head automatically starts to turn on to whose fault this is. Who did that to the pipe? Who did that to cord? Whose fault this is? Why did this flood happen in the first place? Boom, 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 boom. And as long as you can irrationalize enough faults in your head, you can clear yourself of the situation. And then you have a right to be mad at everybody else because it's everybody else's fault, right? But there's a problem with that. And the biggest problem with that, which I run into constantly, is what is the gospel? The gospel is removing everybody's fault. We are in exact opposite if we try to play the blame game because the gospel says, hey, it's your fault. I'm going to take that away from you. But I want to go like, no, it's your fault. I want to be mad at the situation so I can just, I can like make myself feel not guilty of being mad and saying stupid things. But it's contrary to the gospel because the gospel says, it's your fault, but I'm not going to blame you. I'm going to take it off you. And so when we play the blame game in our heads, and everybody plays the blame game, just some people play it more than others. But everybody wants to go, whose fault is it? Who did this? Whose fault is this? Because when we can do that, we can bring condemnation even in our own heads, even if we don't release it to the person, we can start to bring condemnation in our own heads, but it's anti the gospel. And that's why it happens is because our flesh wants to do it. The enemy wants us to do it because enemy is the one that, that, that brings condemnation, the Bible says. And so we're just going into his tune. What we're doing is we're not redeeming the time for the kingdom. We're redeeming the time in a fallen world. We're making things worse when we should be redeeming the time. So I got to tell you, I confessed this morning, at least 10 times my head went full tilt and then I had to bring her back down. And by the end, I'm all good. I'm all good. But, you know, if we're going to be honest with each other, you know, we, we go through that and hopefully we, we get onto the spirit of God. Thank God he gives lots of, lots of chances, eh? Thank God. He's like, it's like, it's like playing baseball with like, where there's no three strikes. You just, you just keep swinging until you hit it, right? That's, that's, like, that's like the spirit of God with us. It's like in my head, it's like strike 25. And I, he just like lobs it in there again. Calm down, calm down. You, you know, be quick to listen, the Bible says, and slow to speak and slow to anger. So he lobs it in there again, and finally I get one, and then I'm back at it, I'm okay, and my head comes down, I grab my tools, and I fix the wires, and I fix the hoses, and we come up with a solution and pump a couple thousand gallons of water. But you don't want to be in my head when I'm doing the old thing. You don't. <laughs> right? So, that's my biggest struggle, is I don't mind working hard, I just hate when the hard work gets harder, when I am there to fix it. So, our attitude when things get frustrating is... You see, we, we make it all about the flood. But God makes it about what happens in the flood. You know? And, you know, when the, the night that that was happening out at Sumas, there, I put my name on a list and, you know, to haul, haul livestock, and I was waiting all night for a call, and I just kept reading. I'm on this emergency evacuation thing, um, and I just kept reading all these stories happening, and I was just, like, in, in a panic. But then I started to see some of the good on there, and, you know, there was like people who were being displaced and there was people who didn't even know them. Come to my house, use my house. I have a bedroom, use my kitchen. Like, and I'm thinking, whoa, that's pretty good, right? And so I'm seeing God redeem, people redeem the moments for the kingdom of God 
even though they might not realize they're even doing it. I just love anything good is from God, the Bible says. It comes down from the Father of lights. Pretty cool. We just got to learn how to redeem the times in those moments because he cares more about the moment. And that's how the enemy gets stripped of any glory because it could be a disaster. And then all of a sudden we show up and we're nice and we're generous and we're kind and we're praying for a situation and we're turning a bad situation into something else. We've redeemed a moment for the kingdom of God, you know? And the story may be about the flood, but in the kingdom of God, it's been written on how we walked it out, right? And so that's the biggest thing. When the enemy comes in like a flood or however you want to read that, the biggest thing we understand is that God always raises a standard up against it. And we need to look for him in that because it's already there. It's not like, it's already there. God's answer is always there before the problem ever hits. That's what's so amazing to me about God. Do you realize that the Bible says that the lamb, Jesus, the lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world? How does that make sense? He died like 4,000 years after Adam hit the earth. But the Bible says he was already slain before the foundation of the world. God had already put the full plan in motion before he executed it. The whole thing together. Saw the beginning from the end, put the whole story together, the beginning and the end. So the answer is always there when the problem arises. Always. He's a God that stands out of time. He had the answer before the problem happened. And so even though it may not have been to its original will, that's the most amazing thing about God. We know that lots of things that happened on the earth were not God's original will. Because the Bible tells us that God cannot do evil. You can't. There's no evil in him. And so a lot of stuff is not God's intention. But he's a God that allowed free will and us mess-ups to do a bunch of stupid stuff and is still smart enough to redeem it before it ever started. That's the crazy part. So when that's what allows us to go, oh, we're such screw-ups, but when we let you in there, you can redeem any situation. That's the wonderful thing about that is we can realize that something is so far gone, but God can still redeem the situation. It's amazing. He's a redeemer. He's a redeemer. And the reason he's a redeemer is he wouldn't have to redeem any, something if it didn't fall in the first place. Are you with me? All right, I'm going to hurry up here. So when it's bad, our biggest struggle is having a good attitude. Now, I was going to go on to this too, because the same thing we looked at last week is when it's good, we have to check our attitude. So when it's bad, we have to check our attitude. That's an easy one to check. But when it's good, we also have to check our attitude. Last week, we looked at Luke 10, 17 through 20. It says this, then the 70 returned with joy. They had just been sent out to go into the cities. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, whipped out of heaven. It was not, it was not a close battle. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. So it's like, even when things are going good, we got to be careful to check our attitude because we should be rejoicing in the right thing. But it says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. We need to walk through life keeping the main thing, the main thing. What is the main thing that we belong to God? What is the main thing that we, we screwed up terribly? We all deserve to have gone to hell. We all mess up, even still mess up on a regular basis. And God still has redeemed us and took every sin, past, present, and future on the cross of Calvary, buried it in the grave, rose up, took us with him, free of sin, justified, righteous, made righteous in his eyes. 
And we need to keep the main thing, the main thing. What does that mean? When things are going good, we still give God the glory. It's not us doing it. When it's bad, we look for God and we can have God given the glory. And when it's good, we need to make sure we're giving God the glory. Making sure we're not too excited about, you know, the walk because the satisfaction is that we belong to him. The joy that we should have is that we belong to him. So no matter what the season, good or bad, our joy remains. It remains because the joy is that we belong to him. In a bad situation, praise God, we belong to him. In a good situation, praise God, we belong to him. Because a good situation could turn bad and we still belong to him and it's still joyous. Right? That's what separates us. The Bible says we have this peace that has been given to us. It's not something that we found in the earth. It's not something you can get from the earth. It is something that was given from heaven. And we have it because our names are written in the Lamb's book of life that we belong to him. So good times, bad times, whatever times, medium times, whatever times, we can maintain a joy doesn't mean we're always laughing and we're always uppity happy, but we can maintain a joy. Why? Because we belong to him and he's already written the ending and we're in it. We're in the ending. Isn't that so cool? And so keeping the main thing, the main thing. I'll be quick on the scripture, I promise, and I'm going to close. 2 Samuel 5, 17 through 20. This is the second scripture that popped up in me and I don't know why it did. Now, when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. And David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Raphaim. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up again against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtlessly deliver the Philistines into your hand. So David went to Baal, Parasm, I think it's called. And David defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Can't think of why I thought of that this morning. Like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the name of the place Baal-Parazim, which means a breakthrough. And so here we see it again. That's why I wonder even in the other scripture if it was a breakthrough of water. But so... David inquired of the Lord and said, should I go up against him? He says, yes, do it. He did. He defeated the enemies. And David said, man, he broke through like a breakthrough of water. And like we've seen recently, like we know the power of that. We know how it just engulfs, right? Right? It's just like God can come from any place, any time, putting things in place that couldn't be put in place by humanity. He's just that God. Now, the thing that we do need to understand is that David inquired of the Lord. And I think that's one of the keys of, of seeing God in these situations. It's that relationship that he's told us to maintain. It's like, we just want to do it, and we just think that we can order God around. Well, that's not the case. It's just not the case. God doesn't change for us. He's the, he says, I am the Lord, I change not. The Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he doesn't change for us. He changes us for him. That's what we need to understand is simply that, is that no matter what's going on in our lives, God, the Redeemer, will redeem those moments, and he's called us to do it in his name. He's called us to redeem in his name. But the key, I think, is, is staying in relationship with God and calling upon the name of the Lord. Because in the next few verses, which we won't, don't bother putting up, I'm just going to close here. David inquired again, should I go up? And the Lord says, okay, don't go up this way. Go around. I, like, gave him a completely different plan. And so most of us would have just done the same thing twice in a row and said, God, why didn't you show up? 
It's because God's in relationship with us. And so seeing God in our lives has a lot to do with how we're in relationship with him, how we're looking for him, first of all, in the situation, and then speaking. And if you're looking for him, you're chatting with him, you're talking with him, and it's easier to be led by the Lord because God doesn't force his children. We looked at that before. The word led in the Bible is, is a very soft word. It's like he moves and he expects you to move with him. And that's the relationship he has with his kids. So I don't know about you, but I want to see God raise a standard up against some of this stuff. And he already has. The answer's already there. So no matter what's going on in this world, COVID, variants, all this crap, all this water, all this disaster, all this stuff, the enemy cannot take our joy from us, our peace from us. He can't. We belong to the king, the king of the universe. And so, Father, we just look for you in this situation we ask you, God, if we're not doing very well at being led, God, just turn the volume up a little bit in our spirits. Help us to hear. We're going to start to look for you in these situations. We're going to start to be, be, be redeemers on your behalf. Father, I thank you for the future. In the name of Jesus, amen.